Hey friends, thanks for joining me again on another episode of Unshakable. It's great to have you with us. Today we're starting a whole new series on the subject of Christian nationalism. Now, maybe you've heard of that that uh, term, maybe you haven't. Today I'll try to lay out a cursory definition of what that means so that you know where we're headed over the next few weeks. Basically, Christian nationalism is an aggressive response by many in the church today to the moral decay that we're seeing happening all around us in our culture. And look, we can be honest, it is getting crazy out there. It's hard to understand how quickly we are spiraling down the drain. So the idea is there are folks that want to push for God's law to be imposed upon all of society, that we have a theocratic government solution to fix the moral chaos that's happening all around us. And so here's basically how the logic goes. These folks would say, look, Christ is reigning right now in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and all people should bow down before him. And if that's true, they say, well, then as his people, we should demand that they do so. We should demand that everybody bow their knee to Christ or at a minimum demand that the laws of the land that we live in reflect his lordship. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to save my my uh, analysis of, of this uh, for a, a few weeks from now. But let me say right off the bat, I can affirm that, yes, Jesus is king and he is reigning from heaven and all should bow down before him. But here's the question. Is what I just described, Christian nationalism, is that a new covenant gospel idea that we should fight for to impose God's law on all people uh, in our country? Are we about seeing people being saved, being converted by the gospel, or are we about forcing compliance to the law? That's an important question. And then the further question is this, what if people won't bow down? Let's say we're able to establish God's law in America Uh, a theocratic government, what if people refused to bow to it? What do we do then? Do we harness the power of the state to punish people for not obeying God's law? There's a whole bunch of downstream issues we'll need to talk about in the coming weeks, but that's just a basic definition of what Christian nationalism is. Now, the basis for this idea of Christian nationalism uh, has its root in a particular uh, brand of eschatology, and that's called post-millennialism. And so we're going to talk about that a lot today. We have to understand that our perspective on on eschatology, which is the doctrine of the last things or the doctrine of the end days, um, that and also our understanding of what the kingdom of God is, has a huge impact on our view of society and how we as Christians should respond to culture, how we should operate within the society that God has placed us in. So what I want to do today is walk through, there's three very general branches or streams of eschatology that almost every Christian holds to. And I want to walk through those three. And the key components in this comparison uh, is basically this question, how is Jesus reigning today? We all agree that he's king. How is he reigning? Is it a spiritual reign only? Or should we expect at some point him to reign physically on the earth when he returns? Those are key questions. Now, everybody agrees in in all branches of this eschatology, everybody agrees that the Bible describes a time when God's Messiah will reign. Okay, and when he does, that prosperity will come to the earth. There will be there will be peace, and you know we'll beat our our swords into plowshares, and everybody will live together in harmony. And this is often referred to as the millennial kingdom. Millennial, of course, means a thousand years, and and that concept of a thousand years is taught very clearly, very specifically in Revelation chapter twenty. 
the questions that come out of this are, well, how will the Messiah reign? How will he reign? When will he come and reign? And is that thousand years literal, a literal thousand years, or is it just symbolic? And then another factor that comes into play with these three eschatological positions is, given that the Messiah is said to reign on the throne of David, what is the role of ethnic or national Israel in the days to come? So the first stream of eschatology we should talk about is called amillennialism. And when you put an A in the front, that awe, basically what it means is that it's negating what comes next. So amillennialism is the idea that there is no millennial reign of Christ on the earth. An amillennialist would say that the kingdom of God is present right now in all of its fullness, that Jesus is spiritually reigning from heaven, and that we're technically in the millennium right now. Amillennialists will tell you that Revelation is, ha, has been fulfilled somewhat in the past, is being fulfilled now. We are in the millennial period right now. So they, because it's been 2,000 years, they have to spiritualize that term millennium because it obviously doesn't mean a 1,000 years in the way they see things. But they would see no need for an earthly reign of Christ. So they are all millennial. They also hold to the idea that ethnic or national Israel has been set aside that they have no role in the last days. In fact, they would say that the church is the new Israel. And because of that, the church has inherited all those Old Testament promises that were given to Abraham and to Moses and David. All of those belong to the church now as God's people. So in the amillennial scheme, there is no connection to national Israel, really no connection to the throne of David or a need for Israel to be restored at all. They do believe that Jesus will return. So that's important. I'm not saying that they're against the second coming. They say that the only thing that Jesus is going to come back to do is to first destroy his enemies, and then he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, He'll usher in the eternal state. So in their way of thinking, there is no rapture of the church, and there is no millennial reign of Christ on the earth. That's all millennialism. Now, the second perspective is what we call premillennialism. Okay, and this is the perspective that we hold to and teach at Oak Hill Bible Church. The word pre, of course, means before. So when we talk about premillennialism, we're talking about Jesus will return. The second coming will happen before he establishes his millennial rule. Okay, so you probably heard me talk about this uh, in church and sermons. When we talk about the kingdom of God, our perspective is already not yet. Okay. Yeah, the kingdom is already, but not yet in its fullness. So it's both present and future. When Christ came to earth the first time, yes, he initiated the kingdom of God, but obviously not in its fullness because he did not establish his earthly reign as Messiah or king, right? He didn't rule on the earth as God's Messiah king. So we would say, yes, today he is ruling. He is king. We know that. He's ruling in a spiritual sense from heaven, but still, the full measure of the kingdom remains to be established someday on the earth. And that's going to happen at the second coming. That he is, going to, he is going to return in power, he will defeat his enemies, and he will establish his rule physically from Zion, right? From Jerusalem, from Israel. And I believe that is clearly prophesied in the Old Testament. And I believe it's clearly laid out in detail in Revelation 19 and 20. So we do talk about the throne of David, the promises given to David that he would have a perpetual king on his throne. That is Jesus. And we believe that ethnic and national Israel has a role to play in the end times. Once, once unbelieving Israel, and that's what it is right now, according to Romans 11, 
Uh, Israel's been set on the shelf until the full number of Gentiles come into the kingdom. Once the church is removed from the earth via the rapture, which we, we, we believe is very clear in the Bible, once that happens, national or ethnic Israel comes front and center once again in God's plan, and there will be a great outpouring of salvation uh, in Israel. So, so we, we, we don't believe that, that the church has taken over Israel or is the new Israel. We believe that the promises, according to Romans 11, Paul couldn't be more clear. The promises given to Israel in the Old Testament, he uses the word irrevocable. They can't be taken away. So, and I believe they can't be just transitioned to, to the church. So Israel has this role to play. Now, within premillennialism, you probably heard these terms. There are a couple subgenres, so to speak. There is pre-trib, premillennials. There is pre-wrath, premillennials. And there is post-trib, premillennials. But they all fit uh, into this, this scheme of Jesus returning and then establishing an actual physical reign from Jerusalem. That's premillennialism. Okay, the final eschatological stream to talk about today is postmillennialism, and this is the most important one because this is what takes us down the road towards Christian nationalism. It is sort of the foundation for all those that are pushing that type of idea. Now, the prefix post, of course, means after. So a post-mill person would say that Jesus is going to come and rule on the earth after the millennial period is over. Now, that may sound a little bit confusing to you, but like the Amils, the post-mill person would say that we are right now today in the millennial period. And of course, they would have to spiritualize that, that term because obviously Jesus ascended to heaven more than a thousand years ago. But they would say the kingdom of God is present right now, that Christ is, is ruling from heaven and he's ruling in and through his people. And who are his people? Well, again, like Amils, the post-mill person would say that Israel, ethnic and national Israel, has no place in the end times, that the church is the transformed Israel, that, that the church, New Testament believers, again, Jew and Gentile, is the transformed Israel, and so the church is the heir to all the promises given to Abraham and Moses and David all throughout the Old Testament. Now, here's the key. A lot of that's similar to Amil, right? Here's the key to understanding post-millennialism. They would say that gradually, over, again, an undetermined period of time, the kingdom of God is going to expand to cover the entire world. Okay, so it's a very optimistic view. They look around the world today, and yes, they'll acknowledge that it looks ugly, but they say at some point in the future, and it may take another thousand years, uh, at some point the kingdom of God will cover the entire world, that all people and all lands will be evangelized and someday bow down in submission to the Lordship of Christ. And then, only then, they say, will Christ then return to earth and actually rule from Zion. So as I said, it's a very optimistic view that all the craziness you see happening in the world at some point is going to be reversed and that the, the gospel is going to go forth and get that now. Every nation across the globe will bow in submission to Christ and then he will return. That is post-millennialism. Now, here's the teaser for next week. If that is true, if that is the expectation that the entire earth and all the nations will come to know Christ and bow before him before he returns, if that's true, what should we be doing today as the church? How should you and I be interacting with society? Those are some of the questions we need to answer, but that's for next week. For today, remain unshakable, love each other well, and I'll see you soon.